0: Good this scripture is from Daniel 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king said to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and they stood before the king. Then the king said to them. I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Say the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great glory. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king say the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you are buying time, inasmuch as you have seen that the word from me is firm that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one law for you. Indeed, you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the time has changed. Therefore, say the dream to me, that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who is able to declare the matter for the king. Inasmuch as no great king or powerful ruler has ever asked about a matter like this, of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the matter which the king asks is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except gods, whose dwelling place is not with flesh.
1: Years ago, I was called up to the hospital and a, uh, an older man I knew, um, he had suffered a very bad heart attack, um, one they call the Widowmaker. It's called that because when you have it, it usually takes you out. But thankfully, this person was around family, so one was called immediately, hospital, they saved his life. I went to the hospital to see him. I walked It was me, his wife, the doctor. The doctor told him, This is a miracle that you survived. They said, Gotta make some changes in your life. You gotta stop eating raw meat or red meat. You gotta stop eating these kind of foods. Give up soda. Told them all these things they had to do to change his life. The doctor said all the stuff. The doctor left. Just me, the man, and his wife. The man looked at me and just goes, I ain't, I ain't doing none of that. I ain't doing none of that. I'm eating what I want to eat, drinking what I want to drink. I don't give a rip. And his wife started crying. In that moment, that man had survived a devastating blow. God had given him a second chance. And he was told, in the midst of that second chance, this is how you must live your life now. Today I want to talk about, I want to preach about, what do we do when God taps us on the shoulder and tells us, this is the way you must live now. The way you're going is going to kill you, it's going to destroy you. I'm trying to get your attention before you drive off the cliff. What do we do when God taps us on the shoulder? We start in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Nebuchadnezzar is the great king, the singular ruler of Babylon. This is not a democracy. In America, things are hard to do because we, we have three branches of government. You've read about this in school, right? There's executive, legislative, judicial. Our Congress that makes laws is like there's two branches. It's really hard to get things done. In Babylon, there's a single king, and his word is law. He declares it, and that becomes the law of the land. King Nebuchadnezzar, whatever he desires, he can have. The world works around his will and his desire. And Babylon, to us, is a very unknown thing. We know Greece, we know Rome, but Babylon is a powerful empire. I mean, we have art from Babylon, still our museums across the world. Not only that, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Babylon is an incredible civilization. Babylon had warm, running water. It's like 780 BC. You go to Fort Mishlo Mackinac, right, built in 1700. Not that old. People still pooped in holes up there. (laughs) 2,000 years before that, the Babylonians had really good engineering for themselves. Babylon is a mighty empire, and Nebuchadnezzar sits upon its throne as its singular ruler. And here's the deal. One night, the king has a dream, and this dream bothers him. He wakes up and this dream will not leave him. This dream troubles his spirit and he knows that this dream means something. He he can't just ignore it. He can't run away from it. It shakes him awake and it keeps him awake. I want to start by saying this to us. When God moves, he can trouble our spirits. When God moves, he can trouble your spirit. Listen. There's a principle in physical law. It's the first law of motion from Mr. Newton. And it says an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And it says an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless stopped by an external force. That's, I learned that in science when I was in eighth grade. It's called inertia, momentum. I learned this the hard way when I was a kid. I remember I was in Texas with my brothers, and we were in the back of my uncle's truck. And I wanted to be like a, suit, like a stuntman when I got older, so I'm like, "Hey Tony, let's jump out of this truck while it's moving, and it'll be awesome." So we stand up on the, we stand up, both of our feet are on the back gate, and we count it down. It hey, won't go like 20 miles an hour. 20 miles an hour is not slow. And we're like three. To, and, dude, I jump. I, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I jump, and I jump, and I kind of turn to look, and Tony stays in the back of the truck. He's like, I can't believe he jumped. Now, when I hit the ground, I'm, my body's traveling at 20 miles an hour. I didn't realize this. When I touched the ground, the force just pulled me forward, and I just started rolling down the highway. Just, it was really dumb. Now, that's a physical law, but it's also kind of a spiritual law. For many of us, momentum's a real thing. When we live our life, life is very everyday. And for many of us, what I do is what I do, and who I am is who I am. As the days go forward, I just kind of fall into habits, and I keep on doing the same thing day after day after day. We have habits, don't we? We have things we fall into in our lives. My wife, every morning when she wakes up, the first thing she does is turn on the coffee maker. And I know before I engage her about the dog, before I engage her the day's plans, that coffee's got to percolate, be poured into a cup, a single sip, now we can talk about the day. Like, I, I, that's, that's the... Like, we have habits that our life falls into, right? And here's for most of us, I bite my, my fingernails, okay? I bit these nails, that I was like, thinking, five years old. If you look at my hands very closely, there's usually a hint of red around one nail where I've bitten it too short, and it bleeds. Now, when I was, when I was younger... I would bite my nails at home because I was nervous, right? But as time went on, this habit, it started growing, and I didn't realize it was growing because the everydayness, you don't realize how things in your life grow and move and get bigger. Instead of, eating, instead of biting my nails at home, I'm biting them in the waiting room at the doctor. I'm doing marital counseling. I'm just like, nom, 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 like, you know what I'm saying? Like the habit has grown tremendously, and I didn't realize it was growing. Now, Newton said, an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless stopped by an external force. Here's the thing God can speak, God can show up in the midst of our everyday life and just go, hey, what's going on here? Tap, tap, tap. Alcoholics refer to it as a moment of clarity, where, like, you realize, what am I doing? Where am I going? What does my, my life become? In the midst of our everydayness, God gets through the fog. So God can do this. For King Nebuchadnezzar, he realizes this dream I had, it, it means something. Something in the world, something beyond our world is trying to talk to me. I'm going to stop and take notice. That happens to us. It might be a word someone says to you and it stops you. Oh my goodness. It might be an event that happens to you. Stephen King, famous writer, he tells a story. He was an alcoholic for a long time and Stephen King, he got sober when he was younger. And Stephen King, the reason he got sober, he had a horrific night that changed his life. He he wrote about it. He put it in one of his books. He wrote the event, as it happened to someone else. This man was driving. He was drunk. In the middle of the night, on the roads of Maine, as he's driving in that crazy, hazy fog, a tricycle, all of a sudden, in the middle of the street, and he runs it down. He hits the brakes, and all of a sudden, he's like, what just happened? I just hit a sticking kid, and he's awake. He's out of the car, and he's horrified. He doesn't run, he looks, he calls the police on himself. I think I hit a kid. And he's looking around on the curbs. If you ever, if you ever hit a deer before, you know, who knows where the deer shows up? It's like you're driving so fast, you gotta walk back a half a mile, see what happened. He's looking, looking, looking. he finds a tricycle, it's all dented up. The cops come, they look, and there's no kid. It's middle of the night. There's a tricycle just in the middle of the road for no reason. And the question happens in that moment, he's like, What am I doing? What has my life become? And that moment is like he realized God was tapping him on the shoulder saying, where are you going? What's going on with you? Listen. God can move, and when he does, it can trouble your spirit. You can lose sleep over it. It can bother you during the day. What's going on? What does this mean? And when the king gets bothered, what does he do? He says, verse 2, Then the king said to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to tell the king his dreams. They came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. My spirit is troubled to know the dream. Here's what goes on next. The king's like, this means something. I need to know what it means I'm calling all my wise men together together to tell me what my dream means. Now, this is Babylon. In Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he had all kinds of wise men, astrologers, he had, I mean, psychics, he had all kinds of different people groups, and they all claimed to know the supernatural. And he called them all their guys. I need you to tell me what this means. The king looks for an answer. He wants to know, what did this dream mean to me? Listen, this moment, the king is doing a very good thing. God has spoken, and he wants to know, what what are the gods saying to me? What has God said to me? Now, when God taps us on the shoulder, what do we do? We can ignore it. I've seen that happen before. I was, I, was in the, I was in the jail this week. There's a young man in there who goes to court coming up this week. He faces real hard time, But he's praying for mercy from the judge, right? As we do. Lord, please save me. I have seen young men stand before the judge and miraculously the judge is lenient on them and they don't go to prison. You think in that moment, they'd be like, God, you, I called upon you, you answered, I'm going to make a change. I have seen people leave the courthouse and go back to the exact same behavior that brought them there in the first place. They just think that nothing changes. God literally shows up, does it miraculous, and they ignore it. You can't ignore it. The king chooses instead to seek an answer, to find the meaning. There's a great verse in the scriptures. It says, awake, O oh, you sleeper. Wake up, oh you sleeper. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, I worked at a pizza place around my bike home every night at 10 p.m. I'd stop by the video giant store. I'd rent two-for-one VHS tapes. I'd stay up until 2 a.m. watching those movies almost every night of my life. The problem was I'd sleep in the next morning and be late to school. And in high school, three tardies was an absence. Right. And too many absences, and my mama got in trouble. They call that truancy. Uh-huh. Okay? So they told my mom, your son cannot be late to school anymore. So mama had to wake up the sleeping giant down the hall. She'd come into my room, and she'd wake me up. Mijo, wake up, time for school. Oh, I'm awake, Mama am awake. She'd leave, back to sleep. She'd come in and she'd, do, my mom, small woman, I'm a big old dude, she'd be like, double, double shoulder. Wake up me, old. shake me. I'm awake, mom, I'm awake. She'd leave me. Then she'd stand, she'd stand literally, she would stand in the doorway. I'm not leaving until you sit up. I'm not leaving until you sit up. So I sit up in the bed. I'm awake, mom. She'd leave, I'd lay back down. Finally, after all that effort, she had enough. On the real hard morning, she'd get a cup of water. She'd come in, and she'd pour. And I, listen, I would come up swinging. I would come up, Mom, why would you do that to me? I was awake. I'd be so mad at her. It ruined my bed's wet. I'm grumpy all morning. ruined my whole day. But here's the deal. I'd ask us this question. What will it take to wake us up? How loud does God have to speak to get our attention? If if he just does this, we pay attention. If he takes a little more, or does God got to get real strong to get us to notice He's trying to move in our lives? The king has this dream. He calls all these people like, listen. Someone tell me what this dream I had means. When you when you feel God speak or whisper, take notice. I was reading the Book of Job. And the book of Job's a really weird book because the book of Job is like 40 chapters of these friends of Job just talking nonsense for 30 chapters. Giving their opinions, they're all wrong, they're just talking nonsense. And I they're like, like 42 or something. I, I, was to, I was listening to my headphones, walking my dog, I'm listening to these guys just talk all this nonsense. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just says, And then God spoke from the whirlwind. I remember in that, I stopped in my steps. I'm like, God's going to speak now. God ought to talk and reveal the truth. What's he going to say? I stopped like, I'm dog, hold on, dog. I I just wanted to hear what God was saying. Listen, when God speaks, listen. When God speaks, seek the answer. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to save me from? What are you trying to warn me about? What are you trying to do in my life? When your spirit is troubled, Seek an answer. When God taps on the shoulder, say yes, Lord. What would you have of me? We just have to wake you up. Wake up. Amen. Amen. What happens next? Listen. And the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Oh, king, live forever! They praise him. Say the dream to your servants. We will declare the interpretation. King Answer said to the Chaldeans. The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great glory. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. What does this mean? The king says, Everyone come, tell me what this means. They say, okay, King, we'll tell you what? King, tell us what you dreamt and we'll tell you what it means. It's fair. Tell us what you dreamt we'll tell you what it means. And the king goes, hold on, hold on. king goes, no, 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 that's that's not okay. You tell me what I dreamt and then I'll know you can tell me what the dream means. See, the king doesn't want no phony answer. When you When your spirit is troubled, do not seek out no phony answer. The king in this moment goes, wait a second. All you sorcerers, you astrologers, you psychics, you always talk all this trash, but do you really have any power at all? I'm going to test you guys. Tell me what my dream was, and then I'll believe you actually have power to tell me what it means. If you don't tell me my dream, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you and burn your house down. But if you tell me my dream, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you all the goods. So what do they say? They said, they answered a second time and said, let the king say the dream to his servants and we will declare the They say it again. They repeat themselves. Tell us the dream we we'll tell you what it means. The king answered and said, I know for certain you are buying time. Inasmuch as you've seen that the word from me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there's only one law for you. Indeed, you've agreed to speak together, or you've agreed together to speak lying and the words before me until the time has changed. Therefore, say the dream to me that I may know you can declare to me its interpretation. He says... Man, I wonder. Have you been lying to me all this time? Have you been faking me out for the for my whole life is all this astrology fake? Is all these sorcerers magic is any of this real? And listen, this Demekeser, he does not want no phony answer. He doesn't he wants truth. He doesn't want a show. He wants supernatural revelation. He, he doesn't want nonsense. He wants the real thing. He's like, listen, I want to know, is there any power at all in any of you guys? Whew, man, here's what I to say to you guys. Two things. One, in America, there's a, there, there's a rising fascination with witchcraft and the occult. A lot of us, I mean, whether it's Ouija boards, whether it's the Wiccan beliefs, whether it's psychics or tarot cards, whatever you want to look out, want to say this to us about that. First thing I want to say is this. 99% of all that stuff is fake nonsense. Like, what was that thing on TV when we were kids, the commercials, Madam Clio, Cleo, Miss Cleo, dude. She was on TV like, call me, I'll tell you stuff. That was all fake, man. Most of that stuff is fake stuff to take your money. Ouija boards, dude, they're sold at Myers by Milton Bradley right now. Most of the time, it's fake nonsense. But here's the thing, Christian. If you love Jesus, even though it's mostly fake, C.S. Lewis once said so well, there are two equal and opposite Errors we can make concerning devils. One is to not believe in them, and two is to have an unhealthy interest in them. Even though it's usually fake, don't go looking for them. You do not want to find them. You don't want to knock on the door and something answer. We as believers, we don't walk into that world. We don't knock on the door, we don't play with fire because it can burn. So, the kingdoms want nothing phony. Two. More practical to us. When we go through a thing, when God, when we go through an event, and God taps them on the shoulder, and we feel like, man, God's trying to talk to me. Don't just go to the homies who will tell you what you want to hear. You need to find a real answer. Don't just go to, don't, we don't need no phony answers. Go to people that will look you in the eye and tell you the truth. We need reality straight up. Here's the thing. A lot of us, we have friends who we think being a friend means I will back up every play you make, even if that play is killing you. That's not what friends do. I'm reading um, the life story of Bono, of U2 right now. And he tells a story about how one of his best friends was the, leader, the lead singer of NXS, and they were boys. And he watched his good friend just devolve into addiction. He watched this guy losing himself, and he just had a brand-new kid, but him and his wife were both just being owned by heroin and coke, and they're losing everything. And they asked Bonner to be their godfather of the kid, and, and Bono said, I'll be the godfather if you go to recovery. That's a hard line, isn't it? But he loved his friend. He loved his friend and didn't want to lose him. And his friend said, what kind of friend are you? You're not my friend no more. And a few months later, that guy was dead from his addiction. He tried in that moment to tell him the truth, and even though he didn't hear it, he tried with all his might to get that truth through. You need to look to someone who's going to tell you the truth. Do not look for some phony answers. Don't go to your, your friend's to tell you that you're some kind of queen or king, everything you do is right. You need someone to tell you, man, you in trouble. I want to tell you this for a long time. You got to make a change. You got to make a change. When God troubles your spirit, look for, don't, don't, beware of phony answers. Beware of phony answers. Instead, look for something real. The king wants something real. Listen to what what these guys say. I love this. I love how the wise men respond. The wise men say this. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who is able to declare this matter for the king. And they're right. There is not a man on earth who can do this thing. The king wants an impossible thing. There ain't no one who would tell you. Listen. Um, I played a game in Iwana a few weeks ago with the kids. We had this midweek thing called Iwana for the kids. It's awesome. We played a game called What's in My Hand. What a mean game that is. There's no strategy. How are you going to know what's in my hands? So like a marble, and a marble, a candy, not a candy. Like that is a brutal game. There's no strategy to win that. You're just guessing into the darkness. If I woke up one day and my wife said, Honey, if you can guess my dream, you can buy a PS5. I'd be like, oh, I have have no idea what the dream was. I can't see into her brain and pull stuff out, right? No one on earth could tell the king what his dream was. They say, listen, there's not a man on earth. And they say this. They go on. Moreover, verse 11, moreover, the matter which the king asked is difficult, and there is no one else who can declare to the king except the gods whose dwelling place is not with flesh. Only the gods could tell us what this is, and the gods don't live here. But they're so close to the truth, aren't they? Yes. I was watching that show called The Chosen. Really cool show. Episode 1, there was this rabbi, Nicodemus, who is sent to exorcise a demon from Mary Magdalene. He tries to cast the demon out, and the demon mocks him and laughs at him. And he leaves there afraid. And he tells everyone in the synagogue: listen, that demon's too powerful. It would take God Himself to cast that demon out. And I'm in my house, I'm like, oh shoot, you don't even know. Jesus is coming, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it because He is God. Listen, they're right. No one on earth could do it. it you need God Himself to come down. But here's the awesome thing about us. When God touches the shoulder, where do we find a real answer? We can ask the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to change? We can literally ask Him. And the Lord, our God, still speaks today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All I want to say to us this day is very simple. God still speaks. God still In the midst of our running and living and ignoring him, the Lord is still speaking, trying to get our attention. And if you ever experience him tapping on your shoulder, don't ignore him. You stop and go, okay, what are you trying to tell me? I'm listening, Lord. Whatever you tell me, you tell me to put something down, I'll put it down. You tell me to pick it up, I'll pick it up. Early in our marriage, My wife and I were praying about, we wanted to be missionaries for a long time. And we had this prayer board of where we could go. Maybe we could go to Africa, Latin America. Latin America made a lot of sense because I am brown. Like, like Me going to like Mexico makes a lot of sense. I am Mexican. We're praying out where to go, what to do. And one day, at Sunday school class for junior high kids, a kid asked a question of, of, of us. And I said, you know, if, if we only had a few years left in this earth, we'd sell everything we own, we'd go to India, we'd preach until we die. That was the answer I gave. I'm driving home, like, where did that come from? God, that, what did that, what did that, that, that I don't want, I, I don't like India, I don't want to go to India. We went there once and it almost broke us, remember, babe? It was terrible. I, I, got, I got so sick in India. I hallucinated so badly. I was seeing sharks coming out of the walls trying to eat me. I, was, I lost my mind out there in with this sickness. And they had to preach for me one night. It was awesome. <laughs> so we asked, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the Lord said, you've got to go to India. We didn't want to. We had cool stuff. We would sell our DVDs, our CDs. Had to sell our, we had to get rid of our awesome purple Bonneville I love that old man car. Listen, I'm an old soul. Listen, if God speaks, listen and obey. Listen and obey. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word that is true. Lord, you speak. I believe you are speaking. There are people in this room right now, Lord, and you are trying to guide, trying to speak, trying to lead. Let us not ignore, let us not run. Let us stop and ask the question, what would you have of me, Lord? Let us seek you in prayer through your word, through the community. Let us seek an answer that is real and true. You still speak, oh Lord. Help us to listen. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.